Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone. When you lead from a base of expertise, your confidence and credibility are derived from your knowledge. People follow you as a result. However, when you take a stretch assignment and span outside of your comfort zone, leading requires a different approach. One of influence, inspiration, compromise, and courage. We are here to talk about how to take that next step and keep going. Now, here is your host, Wanda Wallace. Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone. Now, I'm going to assume as a leader that you are already giving feedback or striving to do so and that you're hoping to develop your team. But my question for today is, are you coaching enough or are you instructing? And what does that actually mean to coach as a manager? So what should you be doing to know that you're coaching effectively? And how do you create not just you coaching, but a culture of coaching? So with me today is Jillian McMichael. Jillian is a passionate teacher, healer, coach, and author with over 20 years experience in helping others navigate their journey to self-discovery and professional fulfillment. And the years and years and years of practice and certification have earned her the highly coveted title of Master Coach which is held by the, only the top 2% of coaches globally. As founder of Full Circle Global, Jillian offers specialized professional development programs to aspiring and existing coaches. And she's also created a portfolio of enriching life development programs for those who are seeking transformative life changes. And so this is combining a whole bunch of techniques that bring together practices from healing, happiness, and wholeness. And Jill's book, Coming Home, A Guide to Being Your True Self, takes leaders on a journey of self-discovery. I should also add that she has a podcast called Full Circle, Finding Your Way Home, which is about inspiring people to unlock purpose, ignite their potential, and find their way back to their true selves. So Jillian, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. It's a thrill. It's a thrill. Start at the top and tell me what, what got you interested in coaching? Where did that come from? So my background was human resources and learning and development for 12 years prior to setting myself up as a coach. And um, I've always been fascinated from being a little girl. I've always been very curious. I used to stop the neighbors on the street, asking them where they're going, what are they doing and what do they enjoy their work and so forth. So I've always been a curious kind of person. And I, I think I've been so just so passionate about helping people or wanting to help people grow and develop um, and find more, I suppose, you know, find more of their potential. And I suppose when I fell across coaching within my work as a human resources and learning and development specialist, you know, I was very much in that advisory role as you would like most human resource professionals are very much telling, guiding uh, and giving advice. Um, but actually when I found coaching or, or should I say coaching found me, it completely unlocked how I operated as a leader within my organization at the time. And then obviously then as I decided and got more involved in coaching, I thought actually this is definitely what I want to be doing for the rest of my life. Okay. So then you go out on a journey to do all these certifications. I know a little bit about the certifications <laughs> and the process. So there's quite a few of them. Yeah. All right. So you said advisory role versus coaching role. How do you distinguish between the two of those? Yeah, I think it's quite simple, really. I think um, one is telling, um, and one is listening uh, primarily. And I think there's a quote from Stephen Covey that I think is really fundamental to coaching, which is seek first to understand before seeking to be understood. And I think as leaders and managers, it's very easy because we're short on time to want to just tell and to get on with the, the task in hand. But I think if we start to listen first and to then to inquire through asking versus telling, we can help our people so much more. All right. 
I want to challenge that because I know a bunch of people that I talk to would challenge it. So I'm challenging on their behalf. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I get the listen first. But at the end of the day, most managers think they know best what to do and how to do it. Mm -hmm. So why isn't it just more efficient to tell people what to do and how to do it? In a nice way, of course. Of course, absolutely. Well, you know, they might have the best way to do it. But I don't know about you, but I'm a person, I think most people are like this. We don't often like getting told what to do. You know, we are quite interested in trying to find the solution ourselves. Um, And I think that if we just end up telling, um, the way that I would describe it is that you kind of, you know, it's like winding up a a toy, you know, a robotic toy and, and off that person goes. Um, And then when that kind of wind has kind of run out, they just kind of stop. And they're going to be looking saying, well, where do I go next? And I think what we're doing by asking um, rather than telling all the time is is to, you know, elicit some answers from other people. Because, yes, we might have a particular way of doing it, but it doesn't mean to say it is going to be the best way or the only way. But also, if you're looking to truly empower a workforce, then you're going to need to stop telling and start asking. I think this is so hard for leaders to understand. I know when I am coaching leaders about giving feedback, they don't want to separate the feedback from the coaching part. So they want to say, you know, here's the problem that I need you to develop on. And here's my advice on how you do that. So we're right back into that advisory role, into the telling role. And it gives a person no time to process. So what you're talking about with coaching is separating those two. Yes, given yes. feedback, and now I'm going in to listen and then inquire. Yeah. And I suppose in an ideal world, you know, to provide a space for reflection. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now, is there any difference when I'm coaching as a manager versus when I'm coaching as an external coach? Well, I suppose the challenge will be if you're coaching internally as a manager, that you will always have the organizational goals and objectives in mind because that's your job. And you're there obviously to make sure that your team and yourself deliver against those objectives. So there is always going to be that kind of in the background kind of percolating and and rumbling on. Now, I believe that, you know, when I've seen leaders and managers coach very, very well in organization, they still have that in mind. So they don't lose that. But what they do is give that space and that platform to have a different, perhaps a more meaningful conversation around how their team member might achieve those objectives and how they might get from where they are now to where they need to be. And so that sense of inquiry, listening, providing observation, um, um, picking up on language, noticing what's happening and providing feedback as they go along this journey together, um, you know, can be very, very successful. Now, what I would say, though, I think that with any leader or manager, you have to wear different hats at different times. And I think there is, you know, ways, I suppose, or situations and scenarios where leaders and managers might need to just say, well, I just have to tell you what to do just now because this is what we need to do. And then there's times when they'll support, they'll coach, they'll delegate. And I think it's just about, for me, knowing what hat to what wear, to wear at what time, depending upon the circumstance and the situation. Right. Well, it makes sense to me that if we're in the middle of a crisis, We don't necessarily have time to pause and do the reflection that we might want to do. And then it's just to go here, do that, get that done, whatever. And then we come back and say, how and why, and was there another way and more? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. For sure. 
And certainly if you've got a performance problem, then I think that takes on a different format because that is its own version of crisis that you've got to get it corrected to move forward. So I like your notion that there are different hats for different moments in time. Okay. Can you give us an example of what really great coaching as a manager looks like? Like play that out for me. What would happen in a conversation? (laughs) So, okay, here we go. So I would be asking my team member when they come. so, So there's two ways of doing it. You can instigate the coaching conversation yourself by wanting to either, you know, provide some observation or to sit down and talk about something or the team member, the colleague can instigate it themselves. Either way, it's really important that we have a contract. Now that sounds quite formal. It's not a written contract, but there are certain questions that I would encourage managers and leaders to ask, which is what do you need from me from this conversation? I would always do the check-in on time. How long do you need? Because we often get disturbed many times throughout our day when we're perhaps in the middle of doing things that we need to do as leaders and managers. Um, and so checking on the time means that you can fully put your, you know, you can be um, put your full attention to the conversation. But if you've only got five minutes and it's going to take longer than five minutes, then you, it's going to be a half-hearted conversation, which is not going to be meaningful or relevant at all. So there's a few logistic things. So what do you need from me? The time, but also what what outcome would you like from this conversation? What would you like to get from this conversation? Now, I would do that if somebody said and grabbed me in the corridor, if you've got five minutes um, to talk to you about something. And I would also do it if I was instigating it too, because I think once we've got that clarity on what the, the desired outcomes and what's required, the expectations from that conversation, then it means we can have a better conversation. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you would be then exploring, okay, so talk me through the situation, the scenario, the current reality of what the scenario and the situation is. And our job as leader, as coach or manager, as coach would be to listen, to inquire, to ask questions. And we want to be asking as many open questions as we possibly can so that we can get much more information from the individual. And then before we go into that kind of falling into the trap of, well, here's my ideas, what this is what you should be doing. You know, you want to be saying, okay, so what thoughts have you had already? What have you considered about this situation or scenario? And, you know, how do you think we should tackle this problem? How do you think we should do this? Okay. All right. And suppose the person says, I don't know what to think about. I've never encountered this before. I haven't thought about anything. I have no ideas on how to tackle it. That's why I came to you. What do you do then? So I would say, well, that's great that you've not experienced this before because we can both learn together as we unpack this and explore it further. And then I would say, okay, so although you've not experienced this situation before, we've got some time. So let's, let's, let's explore what you think is going on here. And what are you observing about the situation scenario that you can draw now upon and we can talk about as a way forward? And so you're not necessarily saying you must know the answer, but what we're trying to do is tease the information out of somebody. And, you know, one of the things is when people say that I don't know is, you know, they might not know just right here, just in the forefront of their mind because they've not experienced it. But if we sit with it for a moment or two, we can usually find something to draw upon even though we might not have had that exact same experience, we can also say, but, you know, remember you might, and then you might as a leader say, well, remember you was in a situation last year when you had a similar challenge. And I'm wondering what, what, what did you do then that you could apply now? And so there's, there's ways that we can help connect the dots 
for people without necessarily telling them. Okay. All right. Is there ever the moment where I just stop the inquiry and say, here's my advice, or do I never stop the inquiry? Well, I think you have to at times. I think to be fair, um, I think, you know, you don't want to sit, uh, allow somebody to be sitting there kind of freaking out and stressing over the fact that they haven't got the answers and maybe thinking that they're being tested in some way. And so I think what we could do, um, which I think is maybe a better way to do it, would be to say, well, I, you know, I I notice or I appreciate this is, you know, you, you kind of run out of thoughts and ideas. So how would you feel if I shared some of mine? Mm -hmm. And I think it's the invitation. How would you feel if I shared some thoughts that might be helpful? Okay. And I like the invitation because it is much more collaborative. It is much more coaching in style. Um, and it allows for that kind of conversation to still work in partnership rather than the hierarchy of I'm telling you what to do. Okay. Yeah, I find, um, and I want your reaction to this comment. My concern is when you're a manager and you start telling somebody what to do because there's a power dynamic there as the manager or even as the mentor, that it's difficult now for the individual to say, and that's not what I want to do. I want to do it differently. And they're stuck now kind of having trouble actually doing that thing that you they were felt like they were told to do. So you have to watch that power dynamic inside the organization in ways you don't necessarily have to do in other walks of life. So that's similar for your from your perspective? Yeah, I I, I would agree. And I think I, I think what you know, power, the, the power dynamic will always be there because there is always the hierarchy. And there's two ways, isn't there? There's, there's the way that the leader or the manager might be pushing that power down onto somebody, or there's the individual that puts their leader manager on that kind of pedestal, which thinks, well, they're the leader manager that I'm, I'm not going to show my thoughts or share my thoughts because I, they're going to pass them down to me. And so there's two ways. And I think what we've got to be careful of is that, you know, for people to really feel accomplished in their work, they do feel that they need to that they do need to contribute they need to feel like they're adding value that they're contributing and i think if if things if messages are just pushed down on a regular basis that this is how you should do it this is what i want you to do this is why i want you to do it by when and it does disempower and over time it will disengage and then disengagement and disempower empowerment will lead to poor performance right right well, it certainly leads to people not making an effort. I, I often say to people, if you want to have to police every single thing that you said and everybody comes back to you for every step, then keep telling. If you want people to think for themselves, Correct. you got to stop telling at some point and try a different alternative. Exactly. All right. What? So why does this, I mean, you've talked about empowerment and engagement. Are there other benefits that we get from coaching? Well, yes. I mean, I, I suppose one would be clarity and focus. I think um, a solution-focused approach to problems in, in the workplace or to relationship challenges in the workplace, whatever that might be. Um, I think people feel more valued, for sure. There's been evidence that's come from the International Coach Federation about um, people feeling more valued. And on the back of that, have actually then improved productivity and performance on the on on the back end of feeling more valued and empowered um to do so so people feeling that they can go that they're willing to go the extra mile more mm-hmm. um on the back of being coached um i think the other thing is around not seeing things as problems but finding solutions and so mm-hmm. actually i believe that coaching actually helps 
the leader and the line manager more so. It might feel in the at the beginning that this is a bit more of a longer process, mm-hmm. but actually in the long term, it actually stops those repeat questions keep coming back, keep coming back, mm-hmm. keep coming back. And actually, I think it gives the leader and the, the manager space to do their job. Because actually, if people are coming with more of a solution, then it might just be a check-in. These are my ideas. What do you think? Rather than this is the problem. Can you tell me what to do? Right. And so, and, and I think from a from a leader and a management perspective, you know, let's be honest, it is quite boring repeating the same answers to the same questions all the time. It gets tiresome and patience and tolerance can get quite low. And so if you're wanting, for me, so I think those, it, it builds healthier relationships, healthier communication and healthier understanding. I certainly see an awful lot of employees who will go to their manager and say, here's the problem, especially younger employees. Here's the problem. Waiting for the manager to say, well, what have you considered? Mm -hmm. And the manager never says, and so they never get to give their ideas. And then they get completely deflated because they're now told what to do. And that wasn't what they had in mind. So they're completely disappointed in the relationship, in the manager, in the job, everything kind of falls apart from it. And it's, you know, they just don't naturally believe they need to come with, here's what I think. Now, what have I missed out of that one? Okay. So, uh, yeah. So, go ahead. So I would, yeah. Sorry, carry on. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I, 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 can, I can understand that. And, and I've seen that happen as well. So I was just going to kind of agree with what you've said there, really. Mm-hmm. Fabulous. All right. So I get in benefits because people feel valued. That means it's going to lead to increased productivity and increased performance. And I would presume increased retention. Mm-hmm. So stay that little bit longer yeah. because I feel valued. That's going to also increase a sense of inclusivity because mm-hmm. I feel valued. I feel a part of. And it saves time from manager because I'm not repeating myself over and over and over again, the same answers to the same set of problems. I'm getting people to think for themselves Yes. before they come to me for unblocking. Okay. Those benefits sound pretty good. So why don't more managers do it? Why is it that it's so difficult for managers to coach? I think one big, big issue is the concept of time. I don't have the time to do it. It's going to take too long. Could be, is is definitely a challenge that I've found with a lot of the organizations that I work. Two, the second one I would say is, is around organizational culture as well, okay. in terms of how long people have been working in this particular way. You know, if you think about changing culture, it sometimes feels like, you know, kind of guiding an oil tanker, you know, to kind of turn its way around in the ocean. And, and it can be it, it can take quite a lot of time to change culture. And so 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 I, I think it requires a commitment and um, a genuine determination to try to do something different because, you know, people get very comfortable as human beings. We get very comfortable in what we know and what we're familiar with and you know, when we start coaching people, we're not quite sure how people are going to respond. Right. And also if they are going to respond in the way that perhaps we want them to. Right. Yeah. I find out. So I'm going to test this. So it's about time and it's about the culture and it's about whether people will respond in the way I expected them to. And what if I get a wacky idea and then I've got to corral that back in? That's what you mean by responding. Yeah. I have two other hypotheses I want to test with you, see if you agree or disagree. One is 
I think we confuse the technical aspects of the job with the more interpersonal dynamic aspects Mm -hmm. of the job. So from a technical side, there are rules and regulations, compliance standards, risk processes that we probably can't negotiate in most industries, at least not today. So there's often an answer that needs to be followed, or at least a process that needs to be followed. And in those cases, I think it's easier to tell than it is to necessarily coach. There's a little bit of coaching you could do, but you end up with a lot of talent, especially a young talent. But when we start to talk about a whole bunch of other things like innovation or interpersonal dynamics or collaboration or team performance or project management or a whole host of other behaviors, there isn't so much a formula anymore. Mm. And there, I think it's imperative to coach. And I think people mix the two up. So what do you Uh, think? Yeah, I I would agree with that, actually, Um, because I think it's very easy to get embroiled in the technical discussion. And then it does become around skills or kind of teaching or mentoring or whatever that might be, um, or just telling. Um, Whereas I do think the other conversation actually requires a different approach. Now, I believe that most leaders and managers can and already are equipped with having to, you know, already know how to have a good, decent, meaningful conversation. Um, But I I kind of, again, I think it goes back to that familiarity and also comfort. What's more comforting, I think, for certainly the leaders that I work with when I'm talking through this with them, is that it it is more comfortable to have those technical-based conversations than it is to have the other conversations um, because it is utilizing. And what I hear a lot of is, well, you know, I don't want to get too personal. I don't want to kind of, what happens if I open Pandora's box and I can't put the lid back on? And, you know, people are crying out for these more personal interrelational conversations than just the technical ones. I agree. I think we get stuck on the technical because it's what we have to do in the first half of our career. And then we forget that the second half of the career is about doing some other things. And I think that's the feedback people want to hear, not so much the technical feedback, the early, there's some of that one. All right. The second thing I think that gets in the way is organization. So if I'm going to coach somebody, I have to partially clear my head. I have to think through for myself, what are the key milestones, key components? What's the feedback I've given them? What does that really mean? I've got to get my thoughts organized a little bit in my own head so I can ask really good questions. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of managers don't take the five minutes it takes to actually organize their thoughts. Do you see the same thing? Absolutely. Um, Yeah, absolutely. I've just been doing a huge piece of work with an organization in India, and that was the the key thing that has come out of the work that we've been doing is that all of the leaders do not have any reflective space for themselves. And actually all went away with saying this is what they need to do. And I think you're right, that five minutes, that 10 minutes just to take stock, to take a moment, just to collect your own thoughts and to think about, well, how do I want to have this conversation and what outcome do I want from this conversation? What are the key messages that I'd like to share? We don't do it because you're back to back one thing after the other. Um, And again, that doesn't bode well for providing the right space to have that conversation in. Right, right. I think that's also true. Um, It feels like that couple of minutes to say, um, let's do the clarity. What do you want from this? How much time do you have? What do you, what's the issue that, what do you want from me? That feels like a wasted 10 minutes and 10 minutes may feel like all I've got to give. 
So, but without that clarity, you can often go off chasing something that is not what the individual really wanted to talk about. Exactly. And you can end up with, with really kind of, you know, um, undermining or undervaluing what that person wants. And I think if you don't ask, then all we're doing is making an assumption because right. how am I to know as a leader, what my team members are actually needing from me at this moment in time. So I think that if we miss, if we miss the opportunity to ask that question, we could just be, it's just like fumbling around in the dark, trying to find the light switch. But by, I think by asking those two or three questions at the beginning, the light's already on. So you can right. see clearly where you're going. Right. I think about so many times when people comes into their manager wanting to just brainstorm ideas yeah, and they walk out with a set of actions, which was not the plan, but the manager didn't know you came in to brainstorm or that you wanted a sounding board or that you wanted to check that your ideas were on track or that you needed help in some other different way. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. So we've got an example of what great coaching looks like that we start with this notion of listening. Well, we start with contracting and then we go to listening and inquiry followed by questions, followed by reflection, followed by maybe I can offer some suggestions. If I ask first, would you like to hear some suggestions? And it seems appropriate that that's the general course of what a coaching conversation looks like. We got a sense of the benefits because of the increased productivity, the sense of value, the retention, all of those wonderful things. And we got a clue about what's so difficult, what makes it so hard. Okay, so let's turn to skills. Okay. What are the essential skills and how do we go about developing them? Yeah, very good question. So the skills should be hopefully already there within the leader, but we would expect um, a good opportunity to create a safe space. Mm-hmm. Um, listening, integrity, transparency, the ability to um, connect and genuinely have an interest in the other person. Mm -hmm. And although this isn't a skill set, I would say most probably remove the ego from the conversation um, and to, to genuinely um, be present. Okay. So it's a combination of skill sets and how-tos, I think, but yeah. That's all right. I'll take those yeah. skill sets, capabilities, <laughs> mindsets. Yeah. We'll take absolutely any of them. So creating a safe space, listening, integrity and transparency. I'll put those two together, though they are separate things. The ability to connect and that interest in the other person, getting your own ego out of the way and just being present. Yeah. Okay. That sounds like a pretty tall order. Okay. I'm going to ask about one of them and then mm -hmm. we'll probably take a break and come back to the others, but let's talk about safe space. Okay. So most people are talking about the need for psychological safety. Thank you, Amy Edmondson's lifetime of work, much appreciated and Google's proof that it actually does really matter. I think that's what's popularized it. And we all know that a, safe, a space that's safe to speak is one that's going to bring out the best in us. But as a leader, I should be asking, what do I need to be doing that creates that safe space? Yeah. So how is the question I want to know? Yeah, well, it's how is, is, is for me is to, for the leader to understand, first of all, their own self-awareness. So how are they showing up to the space? How are they arriving in that space? Are they, you know, are they still on their phone? Are they doing their emails while they're talking to somebody, you know, and hence the real need to be present to create that safe space? Um, I think there's also about, you know, there's some practicalities around, you know, time and place of meeting, 
whether it could be okay. virtual, it could be face-to-face, other things are getting back to a bit more normality. Um, so, you know, creating the right environment, I think, is very important. Okay. And as I said, fully showing up in that space um, as you need to be and want to be. And then I think more than anything else is just to hold the space. Okay. Which means don't talk over, don't take the lead, even though you might be used to doing that, don't take the lead. And I suppose it goes back to that listening to provide that space where somebody can share, offload if required, um, and for you then to be curious and to ask questions that are coming from a place of an objective place, a place of curiosity and intentional-based questions that will support the other person. Okay. Okay. I love, we do this and I feel like we added to our skill set and mindset here. So you said self-aware in terms of how the leader is showing up, you know, frazzled, distracted, pre- and, and that ability to be fully present, that my attention is focused solely on the person in front of me, not in the 500 things I have and haven't done. And with the emotional uh, irritation that comes from the 500 things that just landed on my desk. Creating time and place in the environment. Do you have um, advice on what makes for a better environment? Should this be in the manager's office, assuming they still have one? Should this be, like, do you have advice on time and space? Yeah, I think the key thing is, is to make sure that wherever you are, you're not distracted. I think that's the key thing. So you could walk and talk. You could go out and walk and grab a coffee as long as that the place is not mobbed around you and it's too noisy. Um, You could sit and do it this way through virtual technology, which we've all been used to. Again, just make sure that the the keyboard is not at your fingertips and your email is not open, I think Uh is really important. Um, And I think if you are meeting in person, then maybe the manager's office is okay as long as maybe there's a separate table that you can sit around Mm -hmm. rather than over the desk. Yeah. Because I think over the desk, the desk is a real big barrier or can be a barrier, um, but also can uh, lead to the leader manager being distracted. So I would say, ideally, um, a place where that you can have commonality um, is most probably ideal. So some of the meeting room or some of the quiet space where you can sit and talk. And someplace I think it's important that you're not going to be distracted. You're not going to be mobbed. You're not going to be worried about confidentiality either leaking out. So you need to be aware of that one. And I love, I'm going to use the word focused. You said keyboard is not accessible. Phone is not accessible. I'm not going to see distractions of my email popping up. I can be 100% focused on the person and what's happening. Yeah. Okay. And then you said, hold the space. So I've created the right environment, but now I have to hold the space. And I, that I think means hold the space for the other person to reflect, yes. to think, to have time to speak. And that means not talk over, not to dominate, not throw seven questions out simultaneously, which I like to do, and not um, fill the gaps, leave space, pauses for people to take time to come up with their ideas. Did I get that right? Hold Perfect. the space. Wonderful. Yeah. Okay. And then you know, it's just that opportunity for the person to do whatever they've said at the beginning on the contracting they need, whether that's offloading, brainstorming, sounding bored, whatever it is, it's that space to say whatever's on their mind. Correct. Yes. Okay. All right. And then curiosity. All right. I think this is a good place to take a pause. 
Because when we come back, I want to talk about how do we teach managers to do this in a better way? What are the techniques that are going to help managers develop some of these capabilities? And I also want to talk about creating culture that is um, coaching oriented. So my guest today is Jillian McMichael. Jillian's company is Full Circle Global and her book, Coming Home, A Guide to Being Your True Self. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Wanda Wallace, host of Out of the Comfort Zone. We have some amazing guests with some incredibly good ideas about how to take your leadership to the next level. But I find people are looking for more practical ways of implementing those ideas. So we've created an individual subscription service specifically to focus on how to apply. You'll find more about that at www.outofthecomfortzone.com. We have two additional subscription services, one for the social group that want to exchange ideas and perspectives with a group and talk about career advancement. And we have a master's level for people who want to take a deeper dive all on outofthecomfortzone.com. We hope you'll join us. If you want more information on the articles, books, coaching, and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadership-forum.com. You're sure to find some helpful links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, helping organizations get it and keep it. This is Wanda Wallace, host of Out of the Comfort Zone. Do you find yourself in a role where your team knows more than you know? Are you struggling to see how you now add value? For years, I've coached leaders who have moved beyond the comfort zone of their expertise and have developed a methodology to help them make the leap and go on to do more. All of those tips are now packed into my new book, You Can't Know It All. Visit our website at leadership-forum.com or tune in to Out of the Comfort Zone for more insight. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadership-forum.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back to the show. With me today is Jillian McMichael. And Jillian, if you haven't picked this up, is a passionate teacher, healer, coach, and author. She's a master coach, which is only a title only held by the top 2% of coaches and largely means she teaches other coaches. In her full circle global practice, she really specializes in helping people have life development programs that give them some transformative life changes. And as she likes to say, she wants to inspire listeners to unlock their purpose, ignite their uh, infinite potential and find their way back to their true selves. I love that as your tagline, Jenna. Jillian, that's great. Now we've been talking about what coaching looks like, and we've just been talking about a whole host of skills or mindsets that managers need to have to be an effective coach. And as we keep talking, that list keeps growing, Jillian. So let me just hit the highlights. We've said it needs to be a self-space. And by that, we mean somebody needs to be self-aware of how they are showing up in the moment, what's on their mind, how distracted they are. You need to be focused on what's the right environment for this conversation so that no one is distracted and you can be focused on the conversation, not looking at your keyboard or email. You need to be present, which is part of the focused. 
You need to hold the space, which means you're not dominating the conversation or taking the lead or talking over that you're giving space for someone else to think and maybe accept pauses that you want to give space for the person to talk about whatever is on their mind, whatever they've asked for, whether that's offloading frustrations, whether that's brainstorming, whether that's checking out ideas, whether it's just talking and you want to show up in a curious way, objectively curious, interested in the other person. Now we've also said people need to be really, really good at listening. They need to have high integrity and transparency, which is what makes it makes them trustworthy that I would want to seek their coaching. They have to be able to connect to the other person, and that means they have to be interested in the other person. We have to take our ego out of it. Those are a lot of skills. All right, Jillian, how? How do you <laughs> advise leaders to develop those skills if they think they're, or even just to check, am I good at it? As good as I think I am at it. Yeah. So there's lots of different ways. I mean, there's the more traditional way of actually getting yourself on a program, a training program that specifically focuses on the leader as coach or manager as coach. And there's lots of those around. You can do those online where they're seven to 14 hours of of, um, quality training, um, which is kind of more like an on-demand program, or you can attend um, a coach educational program. Um, now, obviously, there's lots of organizations I know that offer this training already in-house or get um, coach training providers to come in and deliver it in-house. And certainly, I've we've done a lot of that work ourselves over the years. Um, but if that isn't available, if those more specific training courses uh, are not available or at hand, then, I mean, simple things like reading. There's lots of great books out there. The Naked Coach is a really good one. Um by, um, I can't remember his surname now, but Taylor, I can't remember his first name, Mark Taylor, I think. Um, and then you've got the lovely book, Coach the Person, not the, Coach the Problem, sorry, Coach the Person, Not the Problem by Marcia Reynolds, his brilliant coach. Um, so there's lots of great books out there and, you know, Coaching for Performance by Sir John Whitmore. So there's a few there that you can look at and just have a quick look over that will give you some tools and techniques just readily at hand. Now, if you need I'm an experiential learner. So if you are an experiential learner, then what you might want to do is either if you feel confident with your your colleagues, maybe your peers, you could do some practice sessions and say, listen, let me have a go at this. Um, Alternatively, you can be honest with your team. This might feel a bit random and maybe a bit out there, but you could say to your team member, listen, you know, I'm going to try a different approach. Now, it might not work, but would you give me the benefit of trying this new process? where I'm going to ask you a series of questions at the beginning and I'm going to listen and I'm going to inquire and I'm going to ask you questions and then hopefully we'll come up with a solution together. And when I found that leaders and managers have done that, the team members have been pretty surprised, first of all, but when they've done it, it's been a huge shift, one in terms of their relationship and the connection that they've, they they had to what they now have um, but also just the 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 different approach it's just like a breath of fresh air and it's made a big difference but I think it takes bold leaders and brave leaders to park leave their ego at the door and just kind of be okay with saying I'm going to try something different but it does work if there's an element of transparency okay all right so and I love that I've often said that to people you know tell your team that you're going to try a different technique and experiment. Exactly. And you might take your safest team member to try that with, not your most yes, difficult one, but <laughs> is at least there's some chance there to test it. Okay. Let's go back to the notion of a program. Um, yours or anybody else's, 
what should be in that program? Like, what should the components be? How do I know I've got a good one? Yeah, I think you want to be looking for some real good fundamentals. So even basics such as what is coaching, what is it not? So making sure that there's that difference and that clarity around consulting, mentoring, coaching, management, all of that kind of thing. You also want then a good introduction of some of the competencies and capabilities that we need to be demonstrating. I know we talked about active listening, presence, provoke, you know, kind of provoking awareness, evoking awareness, these types of things, questioning, you know, we we want to understand how do we do that when we're in a coaching conversation? Because we can ask those questions as leaders and managers, but we use a different tone when we're in coaching. And so how do we do that? How do we get that tone right? So that it can be an impactful question. The other thing you want to be exploring is, is, is making sure that the program has gives you time to practice. So you can practice with your peers, your fellow students on the program, and you get some dedicated feedback on how you're doing in that coaching conversation. Um, because, you know, we do fall into bad habits because we forget when we're when we're mm-hmm. having these conversations. And so you want some dedicated feedback and some mentoring if you can get it around you as a coach. Mm-hmm. Now, um, and then the final thing would be to learn some a framework, a coaching model and a coaching framework. Now there's lots out there. There's the grow model, there's the clear model, there's transformational coaching models. There's so many different models out there. Um not one is any better than the other, uh, realistically, because they're all trying to do the same thing. To be fair, um, but what they, but but it's how you do it and how you work through that. Now, the best model um, I have come across, I, I'm saying that there's no best one; they're all doing the same thing. But the one I found more dynamic is the Peter Hawkins Clear model. Okay. So C for contracting, L for listening, E for explore, A for action, and R for review. It's very simple. But when you follow that process, you can have really great conversations. So C for clarity, L for, for listening. Yeah, so C for contracting or clarity, Contract. L, for, L for listening. L for listening. E for explore, A for action, and R for review. For review. Yeah. All right. So that would look like in a coaching conversation that I would start with the contracting models that you said at the beginning. So what is it that you want from me? How much time do you have? And what outcome are you looking for? Starting three questions. And then I want to listen. Tell me about the problem. And I'm just listening. And then I want to explore and explore the questions of, well, what have you considered? What could you do? What have you tried? What other situations you've been in? What do you think might work? So I'm exploring possibilities. I'm exploring your understanding. Yeah. Action is what do you want to do? Yeah. yeah. And then review is, so what have you learned in this conversation is Perfect. what I'm doing with review. Okay. Yeah. So where have we got to in the conversation? Are you happy with what we've talked about today? What are you? Go- yeah. So you for the action would be what are you going to take away from this conversation? What what are you going to implement? And then the review would be have have we got to where you've got to? And have you learned anything from this conversation or from okay. exploring this topic in more detail? Okay. So learned or gotten what you wanted. Yeah. Okay. Is the review. All right. That sounds pretty simple. In fact, I can almost imagine that we could take a flow of a conversation with a series of questions and largely use the same questions every single time, perhaps until you get to the action that may take a little bit more maneuvering. But I can see there's the standard set of questions that you could follow straightforward. And is that the general idea, Jillian? Is that what you recommend people do? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great starting point. And if you even just write that down on a piece of paper or on your notepad before you go into the conversation, uh, I think it can just use it as a as a rough guide because, you know, frameworks are there to help us have more effective conversations, to have more effective dialogues with the people that we work with. Um, and so if we can follow that just as a loose guide, there's obviously flexibility and fluidity. Now, just say, for example, that, you know, you were going to meet again with your team member, they'd gone away and you said, actually, it's part of the review, let's catch up next week to see how you're getting on then what you would do when you go back to that second conversation you would start with the review and Mm -hmm. then go into the c contracting so you'd say so how have you been how did you get on with the things that you set yourself to do any you know let's let's explore what you've achieved what happened blah 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 and then you would say okay so is there anything else that you want to talk about today that's going to be helpful to help you move forward And so you can see how it flows really nicely from one conversation to the other. And you can do this with teams. You could even use this process for a team meeting to have an effective team conversation. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm still stuck on this tendency to drift back into advising or telling. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like the word advising because it sounds nicer, but it's basically the same thing at the end of the day. I'm advising you that I think this is my opinion or I'm giving you my opinion that I think will work. Still the same idea. You know, suppose that I'm coaching somebody and I feel that the actions that they're creating are off track. Like, I think they're not going to work. It doesn't feel right to me. What do I do then? How do I help them get back on track without going into a telling mode? So the key thing with that is because we have to be responsible as leaders and managers is just to provide that observation, that what you're noticing. So you could say, you know, um, it's great that you're coming up with all these ideas and suggestions. I just want to, you know, explore with you, you know, how viable these are, how realistic they are, because, you know, we, and, and, you know, you, the manager leader might've been here before with somebody else, you know, we've been here before and it didn't work, you know? And so you don't want to, you don't want to send somebody off knowing that they're going to fail. You know, you want them to have that success. So I don't think there's anything wrong in saying, you know, we've maybe tried this before and it didn't work. It's, you know, or or let's explore how viable this actually is. And you could even be honest and say, you know, I've got a few concerns about this and these are the reasons why. Okay. Okay. But I'm still not telling, I'm giving my observation. I'm giving my perspective about it, but I'm not, I'm stopping short of saying, do this. Yeah. Now, is there ever a moment when I want to say, let me share my experience having been in the situation before? Is that appropriate? And when would I do that? I think that's really good when you've exhausted all the other avenues. So it might just be a 20 minute conversation. It could even be a 10 minute conversation, but if you've exhausted, you know, asking, well, what do you think you can do? How might you do this, et cetera. And they're still coming up blank or you're not hundred percent sure that that the actions are going to work. Then you could say again, you know, I, I've got a few ideas and you know, would you be okay if I shared them with you? I, I I think there's something, and it feels a bit maybe that we're pussyfooting around here and not kind of getting to the to the point. Um, but I think that trust is very, very important. In fact, it's really critical in a coaching conversation. Mm-hmm. And if we go in just with, you know, too heavy-handed or or kind of with our size nines on too quickly, then we can unnerve that trust and and that can start to unravel a little bit because what you don't do is the other person to go away and say well you know 
she was asking me all these questions and then she just decided to tell me at the end of the conversation what she wanted me to do. So what was the point of asking me in the first place? So we've got to be really careful that we're not kind of, you know, disrupting that trust that's now being generated and created in the conversation or deepening that trust. And so I think by offering, you know, I have some ideas, can I share them? I think is just most probably a more effective way rather than unraveling the work that you've already done. Right. Right. I can see that. I also, um, well, one of the tricks that I deploy in coaching is to ask people about the consequences. Yeah, great. So if you take this action, what consequences can you foresee of that action and getting them hopefully to a point of recognizing, oh, there's some things out there I hadn't thought about on that one. Um, And sometimes I will optionally say, I think there are multiple avenues you could put explore. And I'm going to say, I think there's this one and this one and this one. And then I'm going to turn it back to the other person. What do you think? Mm-hmm. What would you want to do? How would you pursue it? How does that fit? Yeah. But it's that opening up their perspective a little bit in the exploration f- phase that helps them think a little bit differently. But it's yeah. very tricky ground, I think, Jillian, to slip into advising. Yeah, I think it's very easy to slip into advising. And even by saying you've got, you know, you have these options, one, two or three. Again, you know, are we limiting that? So that the challenge could be is are we limiting by only giving them three options rather than asking, well, what options do you think you have based upon what what you've said? You know, so it is it is interesting, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It is very interesting. It's a very tricky one and it's a hard one to do and get right. Let's um, shift and talk for a minute. So you've talked about how to do this. We've got courses that are online. We've got courses at various universities around the world yeah. on the manager as coach. I do think the manager as coach is a different relationship than a traditional coaching program because of the power dynamic that we talked about. Frequently we have in-house in-company programs that are sponsored by your own HR community Um, either taught by internal experts or by externals. And then we have a bunch of books that you named that I thought were really great. I'll add one to that one. My favorite, which is Michael Bungay's Stanier Coaching Habit is one of my favorite. But to repeat those, you said the naked coach, um, coach the person, not the problem, and coaching for performance were the three that you also recommended. Okay. And you got always a chance of let me try it with a team member and see what happens. And you got the chance of let me try it with a peer who's come to me for advice or co-coaching with a peer can also be an interesting experience for both of you. All right. Those are the ways to develop the skills. Let's talk about the importance of creating a coaching culture. So A, what does that look like? And B, why would we want it? Yeah, so very good question. So coaching culture obviously is... um, it's I, well let's be honest it's a big job right because it requires a lot of change depending on the culture already in the company mm-hmm. and the organization so there's many ways of approaching this um you know you can have your internal hr learning development specialisms um offering coaching services internally to their leaders and their managers and their people. Um, You can train right across the organization and train people to be coaches, um, managers, coach, leaders, coach, as we've described. Um, And you can create internal coaching teams as well. Um, But a coaching culture is one where you do make a big commitment to instill a culture of learning and development and a culture of empowerment across every level within the organization. 
And so in many ways, it has to be something that the leadership teams are bought into. It's not just a fad. It needs to be, you know, carefully curated and delivered in different stages. It needs good project management and it needs good, it needs good communication and good training and skill sets to be developed within and across the organization. Um, I work with an organization, well, they brought me in afterwards, actually, but um, an organization that I work quite closely with, um, their version of a coaching culture was to leave a coaching book on every leaders and manager's desk at work and said, read it and um, you'll become a coach, Um, which, you know, I was to say must probably disagree with that because, you know, it needs a lot more interaction than just reading a book. It's a starting point, but it is, you know, there is more to it than, than that. And I think the key thing is, is to, to make time to practice the skills, to make time to practice how you're going to communicate in a coaching way. Because this situational coaching, and that's what I think a coaching culture really is, is when you coach, take a coaching approach on the back of situations or scenarios that arise in the workplace. Right. And then there's the more formal coaching culture, which is where you're then providing more developmental coaching. So you're creating internal coaching teams and so forth. But I think a true coaching culture is when leaders and managers just take a coaching approach to their communication style to have healthier and better dialogues with their team members. Great. So I can see that situational coaching where there is a a situation, something has happened or some decision is being made or some action is being taken. And rather than just saying, what are you going to do and how are you going to do it? Taking a coaching process to that one that doesn't have to be an hour conversation. It could be a 10 minute conversation. It's the intention to approach that conversation or that situation from a coaching perspective. Correct. And that day, and I think that's when we get 360 or not 360, when we get um, engagement survey data that says we don't have a learning culture, I haven't had enough learning or enough feedback. I think that's what people are actually looking for is that situational coaching. Me too. Mm -hmm. I would agree. That's interesting. So we're chasing the wrong one with the wrong words. All right, Jillian. Wow. What a lot to digest in one single conversation. Um, I'm going to come back to, I think the thing that I like the most out of all of this one is this notion of the clear model. It's very similar to other models that I've seen like Michael Bungay Stanier, but the notion is I'm going to start with a contract, which are the three questions. What do you want from me? How much time do you need? And what does the outcome look like? Followed by listening, which starts with a question, tell me what it is that you, the situation is. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to go to explore. So what have you considered? What have you tried? What are you thinking? And further depth on that, followed by action. What are you going to do? What are the next steps? And then followed by review, which is what have you learned? And have you gotten what you wanted? And that simple set of questions should start you in a journey of being able to coach either for development or any situation that comes up. At least as a manager. Yes. Wonderful. Jillian, thank you very much. It's a delight to have you on the program today. And again, for everybody, Jillian McMichael, her company is called Full Circle Global and her book, Coming Home, A Guide to Being Your True Self. And lastly, her podcast, Full Circle, Finding Your Way Home. So Jillian, thank you again. Thank you. Join us next week for more wisdom and getting out of your comfort zone. And if you've liked today's episode, please like us on your favorite podcast provider. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us today. 
Tune in for another edition next week with Dr. Wanda Wallace on the Voice America Business Channel. Reach outside your comfort zone this week.